am glad that you're here. So let's pray before we get into the word of God. Father, I thank you so much for your word. Father, I thank you that your word is powerful. Father, Hebrews 4 tells us that your word is alive, it's active, it's powerful. Father, that it can discern the attitudes and the intentions and the motives of our heart. So Father, we just open ourselves up to you right now. Father, to your word, to the Holy Spirit, to speak through your word into our hearts. Father, that we could be and accomplish and do what you have created us to do. So Father, we thank you that it's not in our own ability, it's not in our own strength. But Father, we thank you that you've given us your spirit on the inside of us. And so, Father, we thank you that he is our God, that he is our teacher. And so, Father, we give you honor and glory for it in Jesus name. Amen. Now, you know, obviously this is the first of the year and we start off January with 21 days of prayer and fasting. And, you know, we always try to uh, really pray and seek the Lord about what should we be focused on during this season, during this time, as far as, uh, you know, what we're going to communicate. And so this year we really felt very strongly that it was that we needed to focus on our heart. Because. So many times the things that we deal with actually aren't external. They're actually internal. They start there. And if we'll take care of our heart, a lot of our problems will actually take care of themselves because our heart's right. And so, you know, I believe that even as we're setting goals and it's the first of the year and we're kind of moving towards some things that, you know, we feel like that we need to do. I believe, and this is why we're giving you these devotionals, is I believe that it will help you set the right goals get the right priorities in place. And so that's what the devotional is all about. It's all about our heart. And so, you know, is that, and this is what we do know, is that when our heart is healthy, healthy things will grow. And we want to grow, not just naturally speaking, we want to grow spiritually this year. That should be all of our number one goal. I want to finish 2021 stronger than I finished 2020. Now, I realize 2020 set a pretty low bar. So that shouldn't be that hard to kind of, you know, Come into 2021 a little better, a little stronger. But look, that ought to be our goal is I want to know God. I want to have my relationship with God to be stronger than it was, than it was coming out of 2020. And so we can do this, but it starts inside of our heart. It's a very familiar passage of scripture and one that I quote a lot, but because it starts here in Proverbs chapter four, verse 23, the first three words above all else. That's why I talk about it a lot. Above all else, first, foremost, before anything. If you're playing Monopoly, do not go past go right here. Above all else, guard your heart. That word guard there actually gives us the, the, the idea of like a soldier standing at the doors of a vault. That's actually the, the picture of that word there where it says guard. In other words, pay attention. And it goes on and it says for everything. Everybody say everything. Everything you do flows from it. Everything about our life flows from our heart. You're like, well, what is the heart? It's your spirit, man. It's the the most godlike part of you. But how many of you know that if we're not careful, we can get polluted with things. And, and weeds will begin to grow up in the garden of our heart. And it's important that we pay attention to what's going on on the inside of us. Because this is, you know, and I'm not a gardener, but this, I do know a little bit. I lived in a farming community for years. And so is that, but any garden will only produce up to the quality or the health of the soil. You can have the greatest, best, most perfect seed anywhere on the planet. But if you go put it in some concrete, guess what's not going to happen? 
Nothing. That's what's going to happen. Why? Because it's the wrong soil. If you wanted to grow grass, one of the things they're going to ask you to do before you ever plant anything, they're going to say, bring us some dirt from the yard. Why? Because they're gauging the quality of the soil saying, hey, you need to add this. You need to do this. Why? So that your grass will actually grow. So the soil matters. Well, if we're talking about the seed of God's word, which is perfect, where does the seed of God's word get planted? Into our heart, into the soil of our heart. And so therefore the condition of our heart really matters. Because we can actually limit the effectiveness and the ability of God's word in our life if our heart is not healthy. And this is vitally important. Because if the seed is to reach full potential, the soil has to be right. It has to. I mean, it's crazy to think that I can determine the effectiveness, or let me use this word, the fruitfulness of God's word in my life. Nobody else can do that. My wife can't. My friends can't. People that I'm submitted to can't. Only I am actually in charge of really the condition of my heart that God's word comes into. And that I actually am responsible for the fruitfulness of the seed that gets sown in my heart. The same is true for all of us. And and there's another principle here at work is that God gives us the instructions. He says, guard your heart, which means if God tells me to do it, means that I can do it. It doesn't mean that God's word is telling me to do something that I can't. It's saying to guard my heart. But there's a principle that God will not do for me what I can do for myself. I mean, every person on the planet has the ability to be saved right now. Is everybody on the planet saved right now? No. Why? Because everybody has the ability to have the saving faith. Everybody. God will not do it. Now, we know from the word of God that God's will is that all would be saved and would come to the knowledge of Christ. But yet we have our part to play. Well, the same thing is true here. God says that we need to watch over the garden or the soil, the condition of our heart. We watch, we guard it. We watch over it. We have to maintain it. Why? Because God told us to. It's our responsibility, the condition of our heart. See, The fact is, is that some of the greatest dangers in your life are actually on the inside, not on the outside. Because if your heart is right, you can handle a lot of stuff negatively on the outside. But if negativity is on the inside, if negativity is in your heart, if there's what I'll call pollution in your heart, guess what? It doesn't matter if everything's perfect on the outside. You won't be content. You won't have peace. It doesn't, you can have everything and still be wanting something else. And still, you can have all the money you want. You can have all the stuff you want. You can have all the relationships you want and still be very empty. Because the heart is not right. And the heart matters tremendously. Now, I, I do want to point something out to you is that this, is that the Bible says that we are to guard our heart, not that we change our heart. Because we can't change our heart. 
Only God can do that. I'll show you that here in a few minutes. Only God can do that part. And so, but we do have to watch over our heart and we have to take things to the Lord. Give you an example of a weed would be offense, bitterness, anger, like resentfulness. Those, those are all weeds that are growing up in the garden and you got to get them out. Why? Because they grow. They don't just sit there. They grow like, well, what do I do with those things? You got to take them to the Lord in prayer and say, Lord, I'm going to give this person to you. I'm going to release them of what they've done or what they've said. You can't let it sit there and just be. It's not going away. I'll say that again. It will not go away. It just grows. It's like Jack and the Beanstalk, right? It just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And before we know it, our whole life is being altered. I'll give you an example of this. So when I was youth pastoring a number of years ago, the Lord really did something in my life at a moment. And it was because of all these experiences that I had had in my life that had really kind of had an undercurrent going on in my heart. I'll say it that way, that I was not aware of. And so the Lord really did some stuff in my heart, really worked in me. And it was a powerful moment. And what was interesting to me was when I went back and I started talking to my youth about it. They were a number of them were like, I could have told you that. And here I am thinking nobody knows and I didn't, wasn't really aware. And it was just this undercurrent of a motive that I was unaware of. And yet the students that I was serving were like, oh yeah. Like, how did you not know that? And I'm like, it's a blind spot. There was a part of my heart that I could not see. But everybody else could see it. And there are always things in our life that we may not be aware of. And that's why it's so important to be in relationship with people. Here in February, we're going to be kicking back into groups. Get in relationship. Why? Because the Bible says that iron sharpens iron. So one man will strengthen his friend. We are not intended for isolation. But see, God designed us to actually live from the inside out because everything flows from the inside. It is God's design. It's how he created us. Is that we're to live from the place of our heart. And so, but here's the problem. And and here's what happens. And and so I'm going to give you a little bit of a backstory. And we're going to backtrack a little bit as to why we got saved in the beginning. So this is the problem. We're going to identify the problem. We're going to identify the solution. The problem is this, is comes in Ephesians chapter two, verse four. It says, but God is so rich in mercy that he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. So the problem comes whether we have not surrendered our heart to the Lord. The problem is, is that we're actually dead in our sin. Our spirit man is not alive unto God. And the problem is with Christians sometimes, for us many times, is that we're still trying to live by dead man's rules. We're still trying to live under an old system and an old way of living that the Bible says here that even though we were dead, how many of you know that death only produces death? 
And when we live in an old way, in a way that our heart, that God never intended for our heart to be, it will produce death. And yet it says that even though we were dead in our sins, that he being Christ gave us life when he raised us from the dead with him. Is that we've been called to live a new life. Well, life comes from our heart. Other translations of that Proverbs chapter four verse says that guard your heart with all diligence for out of it will be what the course, the direction, the wellspring of your life. In other words, your future is, you take a look at your heart, that will be your future. So we have to maintain our heart because it is crucial. Because many times as believers, we allow things to come into our heart and then we wonder, why am I, where's the passion that I had for the Lord? Your heart has gotten cluttered. You need a spiritual bypass surgery. You've got some arteries that are clogged. God has not changed. His role in your life hasn't changed. The problem is, is that your heart has now changed. It's a root issue. But you got to take care of the roots before you can get some fruit. It's a spiritual principle. And the heart, and this is what's so important that we have to understand. Is that there are things that we could never do. Yes, there are things that God puts in our hands. There are things that God places before us and says, I'm not going to do this for you. You have to do this for you. But we also have to understand there are things that we can never do for ourselves. That only God can do this. And the Bible says, give you an example. You could never pay the price for your sin. I don't care how good you, your spouse thinks you are. Because they think you're perfect, right? That's why they married you. They love you. They think you're perfect. They're like, man... Perfection in the flesh right here. I got to marry this one. I'm surprised I didn't get an amen right there. That would have been a great time for somebody to say, thank you, pastor. No, but the truth is, is that we can never pay the price of our sin ever. And that's why Jesus came. But the other thing, and so let me say it. Let me say this in a statement, but before we were connected to Christ's death, in other words, before we came to the realization of who Jesus is and what he wants to do and why he came to save us, we weren't just spiritually dumb. Like we weren't spiritually alive, but just ignorant. No, we were spiritually dead. Without Christ, there was no life. Our spirit man was dormant. There wasn't like low levels of activity happening. That's why you never probably got super convicted before you came to Jesus. Now, I grew up in church and I did a lot of stuff and never felt convicted about it until I got saved. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit started saying, "Eh, probably don't want to do that. You don't need to say that. And there was conviction. There was the Holy Spirit moving in my heart and and stirring. And it wasn't that I had to do it. It's that I wanted to. To do it. One of my best friends. How he knew I got saved. He said. You don't cuss like you used to. That was one of the the markers to him. That something had changed. I took pride in my cussing ability. I was kind of proud of it. But when I got saved. The Lord began to work. And not over a long period of time. I mean like, and I just didn't want to do that anymore. I didn't want to be that way. He had other descriptives of things that he said, something different about you. But it wasn't because I changed. It's because my heart changed. 
And this is important that we understand this. See, so we have the problem, which is we were what? We were spiritually dead, but Jesus. So the remedy is, is that we need a new heart. And sometimes, even as Christians, we need to go for a little spiritual operation and let the Holy Spirit work on our heart. Yes, we get a new heart when we're saved, but as Christians, sometimes we need to say, all right, Holy Spirit, I need some help. Like my heart is, is there's some competing things in my heart and, and things and my passion for you and my desire to serve you. The things that used to bring life to me are now just like I have to. Like you remember when you first got saved and you couldn't wait to get to church? Like you're the first one there, you're sitting down in the parking lot like waiting for somebody to come open the door. Like, man, if I could just get a key, I'd just be in church all the time. And then it's like, well, are we going to go to church? Are we going to? Oh, man, I don't want to have to serve. If I go to church, they're going to ask me to do something. And then da, da, da. And it's all of a sudden, it's drudgery. There's no longer passion and excitement to do. And, and, and really the privilege of serving in the house of God. It's like, ah, oh, man, I don't want to do that. Well, what changed? God didn't change. His purpose for you hasn't changed. So what's changed? Many times it's our heart. It's the things that are happening on the inside of us. Now, in Ezekiel chapter 11, we see a picture of this. And this is really showing us a, a, in a very few, just few words of what happens when we get saved. And God says... In this uh, scripture, I'm going to read this out of the Amplified Bible, but he says, I will give them a new heart and will put a new spirit within them. That's salvation right there. Getting saved is not praying a prayer. It's getting a new heart. There's a big difference because if you're like me, I prayed that prayer many times and nothing changed. But there was a day and a moment when I prayed that and I meant it and something changed on the inside of me. It was my heart, my spirit, man. It's exactly what it says here. It, God says, I will give them a new heart and a new spirit. It says, I will take from them the heart of stone and I will give them a heart of flesh. The Amplified adds that is responsive to my touch. That I'm not just rules and regulations. Now it's a relationship with, the, with God and that he is actually in my heart what wants to respond and do what he asked me to do. I don't have to do what God wants me to do. I want to. There's a big difference. For those of you that have had kids, it's a whole different thing when they do what you ask them to do because they kind of want to. Like you bribe them. Hey, if you pick up, I'll give you some candy. <laughs> they respond because they're motivated. Well, what if we had that same understanding when God begins to speak things into our life, understanding that he has something good in mind for us. We just got to pick up the dirty clothes. We've got to pick up the stuff, right? We've got to do the, allow the Lord to do the work in our heart. It goes on here and it says, so God said, I'm going to put a new heart, a new spirit that's going to be responsive to me. He says that they may walk in my statutes or another word would be to walk in my ways and to keep my ordinances and to do them. It says, then they shall be my people and I will be their God. In other words, if you've never had a new heart, God is not your father. And it's so easy and we can kind of get lulled to sleep, even as Christians, even as believers, that in time that we can get it cluttered. 
And so now, even as believers, we can try and fix our behaviors. We're trying to deal with the external when we should be looking at the condition of our hearts because when our hearts are right, the behaviors are a natural byproduct. We don't have to make it happen. It's a natural thing that happens when, when the heart is right and the seed gets planted. Guess what? The soil is right. The soil is health and it produces what God wants. Now, we understand from scripture that, that God loves us. Hopefully you understand. That. Hopefully you believe that God loves you. But how many of you realize that God also wants to display his love through you as well? Is that God's love is not just for you. It's not just to you. It's got to come out of you. I heard somebody say it this way one time. They said that anything that flows into a pond, in other words, if there's only an inlet and no outlet, it will begin to produce recessive genes. In other words, if we only receive the love of God for ourselves, and we never actually get it out and, uh, and really love on other people, our hearts will become contaminated. Why? Because selfishness will begin to set in and it's all about me and what I need and what I want and all of these things versus actually me being mindful about what God has actually desired for us to do. Now, how do we do this? So you got to have God's heart. You got to get the new heart that God wants in you. But in Romans chapter five, it says this, it says such hope in God's promises never disappoints us. Because God's love has been abundantly poured out within our hearts. I like that the Amphite adds abundantly poured out. You're not lacking for the love of God in your heart. It's there. You just got to tap into it. It's like I told you earlier, look for moments of compassion. You can't fix everybody and you can't fix everything. Neither can I. But when the Lord moves upon my heart with compassion, that's a key that I need to act. I need to move. Why? Because my heart is now responding to God. So it says that the love of God has been abundantly poured out within my heart through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And so very simply put is that we are containers of the love of God. If our heart has been changed, God's love is in our heart. Now we are containers of the love of God to go out and to be a blessing to the world around us, to the people that we're in contact with, whether we know them, whether we don't. We need to be mindful that we are actually carriers of the love of God to the world around us. And it's exactly what, why, why does it matter? Because God's word says that love will never fail. How do we win in life? We love. I mean, Philip said it during worship. Is it Jesus is the champion. He never loses. Okay. Well, how do we not lose as Christians? We have to love. You can call it your love walk. You can call it whatever you want. But at the, just the core of it, walking in God's love is to love people the way that he does. Well, that's sacrificial love, number one. He gave up himself. It was, he, he, he sacrificed himself. Well, if we're going to have the love of God, then we're going to live sacrificially. It's just part of who we are. It's not that I have to, it's that I get to. I, I, I get to, to share this love. So we are containers, okay, but you say, well, yeah, but how do I like develop this? Because, man, I'm, I ain't compassionate at all. By the way, just for the record, if I take a personality test, things like grace and mercy, those, type, those are always on the bottom for me, right? They just are. 
Because I'm like, what you need help for? Do it yourself. That's the way my personality has been. But how many of you know that my heart will override my personality? And that's good news, especially for you. (laughs) Why? Because for years and years and years now, the Lord has been working in my heart, but I have to be willing to go in and see him and say, Lord, here's my heart. It's not always, you know, and the thing is, is that sometimes I see things that I don't want to see. I'm just going to be real practical. Sometimes that plays out as maybe I'm short with my wife and the Holy Spirit says, watch it. I'm like, leave me alone. I'm justified. You saw what she did. You know what she said. I only told her four times. But the Holy Spirit's going to say, you need to love her like Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So get off your high horse and go serve your wife. That's a heart issue. It's awfully quiet in here. It got real quiet on that point. You do realize that this isn't about marriage, but you do realize that the best marriages are of two people who serve one another. Like use competition for a good thing. Try to outdo one another, serving one another, loving each other. That's God's design for marriage. That's what makes marriage work. It's sacrificial. It's not two people keeping score. Well, I, I got to my 50. I'm done. No, you got to be all in, both of you. And that's what makes marriage work. But it's, that's love because love doesn't keep a scorecard. Well, I'm not doing anything else until they go back to God's word. Go back to God's word and see what it says. So, but, so the question could be is, well, how do I develop? How do I cultivate, even if it's not my personality, the love of God in my heart? You have to take ownership. You got to own it. It's nobody else's responsibility. It's nobody else's thought. It's your responsibility. Hello. Well, my mic still works. We're going to keep going. I'll preach in the dark. I don't care. Oh. So we have to take ownership because whatever we take personal will be in our heart. Whatever matters to you is in your heart. You know, there's a scripture that says wherever your treasure, wherever your money is, there your heart will be also. So I got to take it personally. Where do you spend your money? Where do you do things? That shows you what's actually in your heart. It's a picture. It's a mirror. Your checkbook is a mirror of your heart not a complete picture but it is one of the pictures so let me give you a dangerous prayer so i'm just gonna give you the warning so you've been warned if you pray this prayer just be ready of how do you cultivate a heart that's really compassionate and one that's open to loving people it's a simple prayer but it's a dangerous prayer it goes like this is lord break my heart For what breaks yours? You ever had your heart broken before? The feeling that that comes with that? God, give me eyes to see people the way that you see them. Not as messed up, but as redeemable. Not as too far gone, but a great testimony.
God, let me have compassion. Let me have real compassion for people around me. This is how you cultivate. Is that you ask the Lord because only he can do it. Only he can help you to get the, the stuff and the, the, the contaminants out of our heart so that we can truly love people purely. Now, there's a very familiar passage of scripture and this is really the focus of the devotional. But I'm going to read this passage of scripture to you. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8. We call it the love verses. Now, it's not just love. It's the God kind of love. Now, there's something that I'm going to encourage you to do. And I grabbed this one off of my desk because I have one on my desk. It needs to be before you. So I like to take things like this in scripture and I like to insert my name. But on this one, everywhere it says love, I put I. (laughs) It's my love confession. And when I get fed up, this is how I cultivate my heart. I have to remind myself who I am. This is who I want to be. I don't want to be the guy that has no mercy. I want to be the guy who gives mercy. I don't want to be the guy that's judgmental. I want to be the guy that believes the best of people. And so when I get fed up, like fed up, fed up, this is my go-to. That's actually the one off of my desk. And sometimes when I really don't want to read it is when I need to read it the most. And all it is is these verses where every time it says love, so I'm going to read you this scripture and then I'll, I'll read this to you. But So you can either do it one of two ways. You can either put I where it says love or you can write your name, whichever you prefer. But this is what the verse says in 1 Corinthians 13, starting in verse 4. It says, love endures long. I'm out. <laughs> like, nope, God, don't want to do that. Got to the first one. I'm good. Unfortunately, the scripture keeps going. It says, love endures long and is patient and kind. It's never envious, nor does it boil over with jealousy. It's not boastful or vainglorious. It does not display itself haughtily. In other words, it doesn't try to make itself look good. It is not conceited, arrogant, or inflated with pride. It is not rude and does not act unbecomingly. And this is the key line. It's the only, I really struggle. I'm like, I could just highlight every word, but then that's kind of pointless, right? So I only highlighted two in the whole scriptures. But it says love, and this is the key part. The Amplified adds, it says God's love in you. God's love in you does not insist on its own rights or its own ways, for it is not self-seeking. It is not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevails. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes. It's ever ready to believe the best of every person, and its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances, and it endures everything without weakening because love never fails. The love of God never fails. How do you win somebody to the Lord? You love them. With the love of God. It's attractive. It is. The Bible says that it's the goodness of God. The love of God. That brings people to a place of repentance. Not the judgment. The love of God. And so what this little card looks like. I'll just. I won't read all of it. But give you an example. So it's personalized. It says I endure long and I'm patient and kind. 
I am not envious, nor do I boil over with jealousy. I'm not boastful or vainglorious, and I do not display myself haughtily. And it just goes on. And that's a confession that I have to remind myself that this is who I am. Not what my emotions are telling me, not what my feelings are telling me. This, God's word, God's truth, what he has called me to. Why? Because Romans 5, his love has been abundantly poured into my heart so that now I can go and love other people. This is who I'm created to be. Let me say, no, this is who I've been recreated. This is who I've been born again to be. I had one personality when I was born and I have another personality now that I'm born again. That's a recreated and that's actually who God actually intended for me to be because that first personality was tainted by sin. It was tainted by selfishness. This new heart, this new life that God is calling me to, it's actually his heart and and his desire. So we have to understand that we, as believers, that this is who we're called to be. Regardless of our situation. And I believe that as our society becomes more and more divisive, the love of God is going to become even that much more powerful. Because people won't be able to understand it even more. They just won't. Why are you so nice to me? I'm not just being nice to you. I'm a Christian. And I believe we're called to love in spite of what people do. You know, the Bible actually tells us that we're to pray for people who despitefully use us. I don't like that scripture at all. We could erase it and I would be perfectly fine with it. And yet God tells me to pray for those people that use me for their own gain. Don't get revenge. That's another weed in the garden of our heart. Oh, I'm going to get them. I'm going to pay them back. No, that's, that's the trick of the enemy. I'm going to pray for them and I'm going to love them. Why? Because we're to be carriers of the love of God. And the thing is, is that when our heart is right, it actually protects us. Loving other people isn't just about loving other people. Loving other people is about protecting our heart. It's about guarding our heart. It's about watching over our heart. And so this morning, even as we're wrapping up, I, I encourage you, take a moment. Do a little self-evaluation. Do a little heart checkup. And say, what is, what's competing in my heart against what 1 Corinthians 13 talks about? Am I self-seeking? Am I, am I rude? Am I, am I on edge? You know, is it all of these things? Am I always trying to one-up everybody? What are those? And, and, and really ask yourself, why? Why do I do these things? What's the motivation behind it? And I prayed this earlier, but Hebrews chapter four, verse 12 says that the word of God is quick and powerful. It's sharper than any two edged sword dividing between the soul and the spirit. The amplified adds, and it says that it even cuts all the way to the innermost part of your being dividing between the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. The word of God, God through his ability will work in our heart like a very skillful surgeon. And he can begin to show us why we do what we do. Why we're motivated by the things that we're motivated. And those things are actually harming us. They're actually holding us. They're, they're actually keeping us back from our relationship with the Lord. Of that closeness and that awareness that God is with me. God hasn't moved, but my heart can move. 
And so I've got to do a little self-evaluation in my heart and just say, Lord, would you reveal those things in my life, in my heart that are keeping me from doing what you've called me to do? See, the, the reality is, is that there may be things in your life that you've been praying for and 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 praying for. And you're like, yeah, last year I prayed for it during the fast and nothing happened. But fasting is supposed to what? Bring us to a point of reliance upon God, like this dependency. And many times what happens is that our prayers can be hindered because of the condition of even our heart. And it's amazing to me that when I, I make minor, they're not major adjustments most of the time. Many times they're small things. I can make minor adjustments. And it's like all of a sudden that's the key that unlocks the blessing of God in that area of my life. The thing that I've been praying for and believing for. Like, man, I should have done this a long time ago. But it's just getting my heart in a place. And, and that is required for me to go to the Holy Spirit, just honestly. And it doesn't have to be this great majestic moment. Sometimes it's just, Holy Spirit, show me my heart. Show me the things that are in my heart. Show me those things that are holding me back, the things that are, are inhibiting what God wants to do in my life. Amen. And go about your day. And you'll be surprised when the Holy Spirit will speak to you. He might speak to you in the moment, maybe. But sometimes I'm just driving the car. Sometimes I'm just doing something. I'm just working on a project, doing something. And the Lord just drops a little thought in my heart. And it's like, oh, there's my answer. That's what I need to do. That's the adjustment. It wasn't anything major. I just, well, I took offense to that. Man, I didn't even realize that I'd gotten offended by that statement six months ago. Lord, forgive me for taking offense. Forgive me for harboring those ill feelings towards them. Forgive me for allowing those, those words, because words are seeds by the way, that gets sown. Lord, forgive me for allowing that to get into my heart, for not guarding my heart. So I'm going to ask you just to remove it from my life. And what you just did is you gave God permission to come in and do a little bit of surgery. And he's going to come in and take it out of your life. And then you can move forward. It's not complicated. It's not hard. You just got to acknowledge it. Ask for forgiveness and move, move forward. Would you bow your heads with me today?